Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. We're so glad you've joined us for Jesus the Healer. We've been having a wonderful time teaching on the different healings that happened under Jesus' earthly ministry, and we're calling it Healing School. So I invite you, grab a chair, grab your Bible, grab a pad and a pencil or pen, and follow along with us. Become a student. Find out what belongs to you in Christ. Become skillful and practice what will with what God has made yours. We've been looking in the previous episode at Mark chapter five, and uh, we're going to finish looking at that passage today because there's so much to, to see in this passage. And the thing I love about this passage, it is teaching us about the deliverance of what we call the madman of Gadara. And the thing that we so prize when we look at this, is that Jesus is not only the healer of the body, he is the deliverer for the mind. And I want you to know, no matter how tormented, no matter how troubled or harassed your mind has been with fear, with worry, with panic, with anxiety, I want you to know part of the inheritance in Christ is a sound mind. And uh, this passage shows us Jesus's absolute mastery in every single arena, and especially for those with the mind, he is the deliverer. And uh, we want to start reading in Mark chapter five, verse one, and it says, and they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when Jesus was come out of the ship immediately, there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him. No, not with chains because he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. You can't tame demons. You cast them out. And so we see that this demon that possessed this man had given this man or worked through this man a superhuman strength. It wasn't just the man's strength. It was demon power operating in him that would break off chains that when people would try to uh, rescue him or help him, that he would he would end up rejecting the help. And so in verse five, it says that always night and day, this man was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. So notice the torment these demons would put this man through. There was no peace for him. No help, it looked like. It looked like a hopeless situation. In verse 6, but when he saw Jesus afar off, the man ran and worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice. And we know this, that this is really the demon possessing him that cried out through the man's voice and said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he had said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. So we see that the demons recognize Jesus, that this man would have no way of having been introduced to Jesus, but the demons knew him. So anyone who's filled with God, demons know you and they're afraid of you because you have authority over them and they know it. Well, do we have authority? Jesus said, behold, I give you power or authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. 
Then the Bible says also resist the devil and he will flee. Why? Because you have authority over him. So don't wait for him to flee. Tell him to flee. Don't just hope he flees. You tell him to flee. And so in verse nine, Jesus asked the demon, what is thy name? And the demon, of course, answering, speaking through the man's voice, said, my name is Legion, for we are many. In verse 10, and he besought Jesus much that he would not send them away out of the country. Listen, demons want to occupy where they've been occupying. But I want you to know if the devil has tried to trouble your life, your marriage, your home, you have a right to say no and you're not staying. Get them out of your family. Get them out of your home. Don't let them dominate. It says in verse 11, Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought Jesus, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. In verse, in verse 13 says, And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea and were choked in the sea. And there were about 2,000 swine. So we know this, that that gives us an idea of what, of how many demons were in possession of this man. And in verse 14, it says, And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city. And in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. So word or testimony of this man's help and deliverance came. And so the people run out to see this. Verse 15, and they come to Jesus. And they see him that was possessed with the devil that had the legion sitting. See, before that he wasn't sitting. He was crying. He was tormented. Now he's sitting peacefully, calmly. Notice, enclosed and in his right mind. Jesus will give you your mind back. I said, Jesus will give you your mind back. No one can do that for you. Jesus is the only one who can do that for you. Notice, and it says, and the people were afraid. Uh, I want to say here, when we see this word possessed used, that this man was possessed by the devil. Uh, someone can be, there are different levels or degrees that the devil can torment somebody. For example, you can just be worried. And that's one level of, an, of your mind not being sound. <laughs> it's not peaceful. Or you can become, if I could say this, if you keep thinking on worried thoughts, then the devil will take more ground. See, the devil will just introduce one thought. If he can just get you to take one thought, then that one thought will be two thoughts and three thoughts and four thoughts. He'll just try to trouble you about one arena of your life. And if he can, then he'll travel into the other arenas of your life. He doesn't come all at once, always. It's sometimes just a slow process, a progression. That's why we are to shut the door when the temptation to worry first comes. When the temptation to be fearful first comes. When the temptation to be anxious first comes, shut it down. Answer those thoughts. Take authority over that. Amen. So this man had, he wasn't just depressed because there's depression. 
which will lead to oppression, which will lead to possession. So I ask you this, can a Christian be possessed with the devil? Well, you have to answer it this way. In the Christian spirit is the Holy Ghost. No demon can live in a Christian spirit. No demon can because the Holy Ghost and the devils do not reside together. But can a Christian get a demon in their mind? Yes. That doesn't mean it's in their spirit, but it can get in their mind. How does a, a demon get possession of a, of a Christian's mind? By the Christian listening. Yeah. By the Christian listening to the thoughts, thoughts of fear, thoughts of worry. Dad Hagen, who was our spiritual father, used to say this. How do you know if you're worrying? If you're thinking about it. If you're thinking about it. So it doesn't matter what you think on day to day. You have to do the right thing with your mind. Discipline your mind to keep your mind sound. Don't let it just touch on anything. Take charge of your mind. The mind is under your control. Take charge of it. Take charge of it. Amen. So when the man was demon possessed, notice this. He was tormented. He wasn't properly clothed. He could not even sit peacefully. Night and day he cried, it said. And then the people that came out to see this man that had been set free, it says they were afraid of him. They were afraid when they saw this setting. Uh, Why this man had set this demon-possessed man free and they couldn't understand. And so uh, they should have been afraid of the man when he was demon-possessed, not of the man who set him free. (laughs) Now, verse 16. And they that saw it told how it had befell to him that was possessed with the man. Excuse me, possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. So the people told the, the, the community about it. Verse 17. And the people began to pray Jesus to depart him to, for him to depart out of their coasts. Isn't that interesting? Yes. What was that? The demons that had been working through that man had so influenced that country that they didn't even think right when help came. So they asked Jesus to to leave. This kind of power they were frightened of. Verse 18, and when he was coming to the ship, when Jesus got into the ship, the man that had been possessed with the devil prayed that he might go with him. Now think what Jesus would have meant to this man. No one could help this man. This man had no hope. This man was offered no help. But Jesus showed up. And you can think of when he sees Jesus getting ready to leave. I don't want him to leave. I want to go with him. So you can imagine. No wonder he wanted to go with Jesus. But listen to verse 19. Howbeit Jesus allowed him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee and has had compassion on thee. Jesus didn't permit him to travel with him. Instead, he turned him into a preacher. He said, you go back home 
and you give testimony. That's why the testimony of what God has done in your life is so important, not just to you, but that others hear, because that's many times the only way they will hear what God wants to do for them is what he's done through you. You are to be the preacher of your testimony. Tell it, tell it to people. When you see people troubled, say, listen, I've been there. I know what that's like, and I, but I know what it's like to be free. Let me tell you how God set me free. Tell people what God's done for you. So Jesus told him what to preach. He said, when you go, he said, you go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. So he's telling them the message that he's to preach. Verse 20. And the man departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. Look at this. And all men did marvel. Why? Men knew about him in his possessed condition. But he doesn't just go to his friends. He went to all Decapolis. Decapolis from uh, back in that time was a, a was 10 different cities, a region of 10 cities. He goes through the whole region. And tells people what was done for him. Can you imagine how many people were set free when he told his story? That's what God intends, that others get set free when you tell your testimony. So all men took note of him, look at this, and marveled at what God had done for him. It doesn't matter how bound. It doesn't matter how tormented. It doesn't matter how terrible your life has been. Jesus sets people free. Amen. Tell people about it. Give them hope. And I, I'll, I want to take a few moments and talk to you about the mind because the devil will attack the mind of every human on this earth. So just because your mind is attacked doesn't mean something's wrong with you. <laughs> Amen. The devil will try. He will try. Now, certainly not everyone is going to end up in the condition this man was in. But I'm saying if you don't know how to stand your ground, if you don't know how to tell him no, how to tell the devil no. Yes, you. it's your job to tell the devil no. But just because the devil brings an attack doesn't mean that you don't have faith. And it doesn't mean that your faith isn't working. It doesn't mean that the word isn't working. You're going to face tests and trials, but the word works if you'll just do the word and stay with it. Know this, that the mind is Satan's battleground. That's the place he's going to launch his attack from. He, how, what, what do you mean? How's it his battleground? He suggests thoughts, tormenting thoughts. Thoughts that try to give you wrong habits, thoughts that try to bring you into perversion, all kinds of thoughts that trouble your life. And he'll bombard you with them yes. time after time after yes. time. Well, see, he's uh, he tries to imitate what God does. Yeah. Well, what does the word say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing. Yes. So the word shows us that the more we hear the word by repetition, the more faith comes in. So the devil also is an imitator of God and he works by repetition. So he will repeatedly uh, tell you a threat, suggest something to your mind to try to get you to take that thought, to turn it over. Just because you can't keep thoughts from coming to your mind, but you can keep from turning them over in your mind. And you say, well, Pastor Nancy, I have certainly turned them over in my mind. Well, uh, in Ephesians 4, verse 27, Paul says this, neither give place to the devil. Mm -hmm. 
notice this, don't give place to the devil. The devil can't take a place you don't give him. So if you gave him a place by turning his thoughts over in your mind, you can take back the place you gave him, which means this, you can run those thoughts out. It doesn't matter how long you've cooperated with the devil's thoughts. You can run them out. You can say, I take back, I take back the place I gave you. I give my thoughts to the word and not to you. Not to the devil, not to the threat, not to the suggestion, but give your thought to the word. Amen. Amen. So know this, the mind is Satan's battleground. If the devil can hold you in the mental arena, just trying to figure everything out, he'll whip you. But you hold him in the faith arena. What is the faith arena? Well, it's the arena of your spirit. That the the faith of God is in your spirit. It's not in your mind. But you hold the devil in the faith arena, in the spirit arena. Well, you say, Pastor Nancy, how do I do that? You answer those thoughts with the faith that's in your heart. From your heart, you say, that's not my thought. I recognize that's not my thought. Satan, that's your thought. I'm not taking your thought. I resist you in Jesus' name. That's how you hold him in the faith arena. You answer him with the word of God. You answer him with the faith that's in your heart. Now, let me just give you, if you'll take three steps, I don't care how bound your mind is. I don't care what difficulty you're facing. If you will take these three steps and make them a lifestyle with you, you will walk free. Amen. Number one, you answer every wrong, troubling thought that comes to your mind with the word of God. Amen. So if the devil says, I'm going to kill you prematurely, say with long life, he'll satisfy me and show me his salvation. God will show me his salvation with long life. Answer with what the word says. If the devil says, I'm going to destroy your home, no weapon formed against my life will prosper in Jesus name. You answer what that threat suggested. If he threatens you with physical problems, you answer with you answer specifically. If he if he threatens you financially and says you're not going to have enough money, say my God supplies all my needs and I'll always have more than enough money. So you answer him specifically based in line with how he threatens you. So if he threatens you about your body, answer him with with something about your body. That Jesus took my infirmities and bear my sicknesses. Amen. You answer specifically in line with the threat. So number one, answer every thought, not just some of them, every thought, every wrong thought. You answer it with what the word says. Then number two, you tell the devil that is present there speaking to your mind to leave. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. Don't just let him sit there day after day and week after week and just go after your mind, thought after thought. No, you have authority. The Bible says resist the devil and he will what? He will flee. Means he leaves that scene. He leaves that location. Don't just let him in your house and in your mind and just talk to your children. Talk to your husband. Talk against your mind. All these things that trouble your life, trouble your mind, trouble your home, trouble your marriage. Tell tell that devil that that tries to speak those thoughts into your life. Tell him to leave. Resist him in Jesus' name. Number three, you worship God. Worship him. And this is so important because what worship does, it turns your attention away from the threat 
away from the suggestion, away from the mental bombardment, and it holds your attention on God. Where your attention goes, your faith goes. So to even, and I, I've been there. I know what this is like when the devil bombards your mind and then you answer it with the word. You tell the devil to leave you in Jesus name. There is the tendency of the mind to go back and touch into what the devil said. So that's why it's important that you begin to worship because it keeps your mind in the direction of God. It keeps your attention and it keeps your faith in the direction of God. So the three steps to take to keep your mind guarded is number one, Answer every wrong thought with the word every time. Number two, and you and let me say this about number one, you answer specifically, not just generally. Don't just say, well, the Lord loves me. If the devil threatened your body, you answer him what the word says about your body. If the Lord, if the devil threatened you, your finances, you answer him specifically regarding what God says about your finances. Amen. So answer specifically, not generally, but specifically. So number one, you answer every wrong thought. Number two, tell the devil that is speaking and harassing the mind to to leave. Do not let him stay and trouble your home and your life and your mind. And number three, you worship God. Now, number one and number two just takes a moment. But number three is our lifestyle, worshiping God all day long, all throughout the day. As we worship, it keeps the door closed to the devil to where he can't get back in and trouble our minds. And believe me, he tries this on everyone. So don't think that there's something wrong with you just because he tried it with you. He does this to everyone, but it's your privilege to become skillful. With the word so that you can keep your mind safeguarded. Amen. Anything that tries to trouble your mind, whether it's fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, panic, anything that puts you down, anything that makes you feel bad about yourself, anything that condemns you, pushes you down, you resist it. Because God doesn't, God has no part in condemning you. Amen. Amen. Now, you have to know this, you cannot outthink wrong thoughts. Meaning this, you can't get rid of thoughts by thinking. The devil suggests something and you try to figure it out and think, think your way out of that. That's, that's not going to work. You don't get rid of wrong thoughts with thoughts. You get rid of wrong thoughts with words. You have to speak God's word. That's what gets rid of troubling thoughts. You answer thoughts with words. Amen. Second uh, Timothy in chapter one in verse seven, it says this for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. Yeah. So when the devil says you're losing your mind, say, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. And the devil says you're tormented and fearful. No, I'm not fear. You will not steal my mind. God has given me a sound mind. God's not dealing with you based on fear. Anything that makes you fearful, God's not participating in that. God is not correcting you, rebuking you with fear. He, he, he deals with us with his word, not with fear, not with worry, not with panic, not with anxiety. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5 says this, casting down imaginations. 
and every high thing. Now, see, this is what we must do. This is not something God's going to do for us. This is something that we must do, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So if it's against what God said, you're to cast it down. Not turn it over in your mind. Cast it down. Say, I refuse. That's not my thought. I'll not take it. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, I want to say this because sometimes people may have run into this. They may have had a loved one or know of someone that got so tormented in their mind that they ended up committing suicide. And I will say this. If someone is a Christian and they end up committing suicide, many think they go to hell. That's not true. And let me tell you why it's not true. Because just as someone's body can get sick, their mind can get sick. The devil can affect someone's physical body, maybe their or an organ or a limb or something, and cause them to get sick, and they might die from a physical condition. Well, if you if a Christian dies from a physical condition, they don't go to hell just because the devil attacked their body. Well, the mind is nothing but an organ. The brain of man is nothing but an organ, rather. And the devil will attack the mind and the mind can get sick just like the the heart can get sick, just like a kidney can get sick. The mind can get sick and people sometimes can get so sick in their mind that they commit suicide. That's not the real them that did that action. That was a troubled, harassed mind. And I guarantee you, the mercy of God knows that. And they, if they're born again, they still go to heaven. So don't ever believe that a family member or loved one that committed suicide is eternally lost. That is not true. If they were ever born again, they still are received into heaven. Amen. And I want to pray for those of you that are watching today and you may have troubles in your mind. I tell you, it begins by receiving Jesus as your Savior. Number one, to have a free mind. A free mind, a sound mind belongs to every one of his children. So he has to have your your uh, invitation for him to help you. The way you invite him is you say, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. You know, the word tells us, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All he's waiting for is your call. All he's waiting for you to open the door and he will come in like a flood and rescue your life and give you a brand new life and start all over. No matter how bad life has been, no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you've lived, no matter what sins you've done, I guarantee you, Jesus longs to help you and set you free. He just needs you to invite him in. And so the word makes it so simple and so clear that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word also tells us in Romans chapter 10 that if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is our Lord, we'll be saved. It's that easy. So I want you to pray this along with me. Say, Jesus, I receive you as my Savior right now. I call you my Lord. I'll live for you all the days of my life. So right now, I'm born again. 
Jesus is my Savior. God is my Father. And I'm a child of God now. Now, Satan, you take your hands off their minds in Jesus' name. And I speak for every troubled mind. You be free in Jesus' name. Your mind be at peace. Your mind be whole in Jesus' name. The anointing destroys every yoke. And you call yourself free and worship God that you are free right now in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.